So if people realize that the gospel speaks to every realm of their life and who they are as a human being, then it opens up their eyes to another structure of, of how to view life. Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I got to have with Dr. Joshua Laxton. Josh has been a pastor. He is a scholar. He, co- he considers himself a scholar practitioner. Currently, he's serving as the assistant director of the Billy Graham Center um, at Wheaton College, Illinois. Josh is someone who thinks a lot about the connection between church and culture. Specifically, he thinks about what does it really mean to be missional, for the church to be missional in the current culture that we're living in, specifically North America. Uh, if you've read authors like Leslie Newbegin, uh, Christopher Wright, uh, John Piper, Tim Keller, uh, Ed Stetzer, then Josh is the kind of guy who's in your wheelhouse, and you're going to really enjoy the conversation. Even if you've never heard of any of those guys, I think you're going to find this conversation enlightening and helpful. So, here we go. All right, so I'm sitting here with uh Dr. Joshua Laxton, he's the Assistant Director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Josh, great to have you here. Man, it's great to be here, Adam. Man, really appreciate you taking time. I know you're in the middle of a busy season. Oh, it's yeah, it's been a, a very hectic season uh, and even a few uh, days. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're right in the middle of it. We're here at the Amplify Conference at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, which obviously you're, you you play a huge role. Play in, small, yeah. Small, huge. Small. Yeah, it depends, yeah, it depends on who's saying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And I hear you guys are going to be starting a podcast yourselves here soon. We are. We we're uh, starting uh, our podcast, and we're 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 going between names because okay. we we think that the Gospel Life podcast, which is a brand of the Billy Graham Center, okay. we're like, man, it's just it's, it's it's just too bland. You know, we we, we you know we want to we want to you know spruce it up just a little. Yeah, I mean, bit. because what's exciting about the Gospel <laughs> or life? I mean, wait, come on. Yeah, that's good, Adam. Uh, so, but we're <laughs> we're thinking about calling it off script because one of the things that I like to do is uh, I like to go off script. You know, I don't like to go and, you know, we might have four questions and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, I've got to break the norm. I've got to break the rules. So, yeah. yeah, so we're thinking about that. But, yeah, we're definitely in the middle of uh, uh, re- relaunching the podcast. And are you going to be hosting that yourself? So, uh, well, I will be hosting and I have a co-host, uh, Lori Nichols, uh, okay. who is the director of communications here at the BGC. So a fabulous leader and, and thinker, too. So, so it's good kind of having that, that partner and that kind of tag. Team. And you guys yeah. will be interviewing um, some some different leaders. Is that what's yeah. the format going to be? So interviewing leaders. So it would be definitely interview format. Uh, we've interviewed Alan Hirsch and uh, oh, wow. That's great. of uh, with his, his uh, co-author of his new book Reformation. Yeah, and so we did that. Uh, and, uh, some leaders from the Chicagoland area. Some artists. We have. Um, yeah, so we we have lots of. Uh, I guests. love it. That's so, going to be aw- that's going to be awesome. Yeah. When are you guys hoping to launch? So well, interesting. Interestingly, we're actually going to uh, host a live podcast today at Amplify in the fourth plenary session with uh, Rick Richardson. So, so we are launching within the next well. 
couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And how can people subscribe if when, when, it, when it comes time to well, launch they'd this? they definitely be able to subscribe on iTunes or go to BillyGramCenter.com okay. and then click on uh, the, the podcast. All right. right. So I want to really definitely encourage uh, our organic outreach listeners to check out that podcast. It's going to be a, another great way to be inspired, uh, to be challenged uh, as, as, you, as you consider what it means to, to speak the gospel in our world today. So, so you're the assistant be- uh, director here at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Um, what does that entail? <laughs> and, I, yeah. and how did you get yeah, here? So, um, so I've been in vocational uh, ministry for almost 20 years, the last 12 serving as a lead pastor in church uh, uh, revitalizations, uh, even replanted a church where we closed it down, relaunched it. So oh, wow. uh, did that for 12 years, all the way up until January of this year, and uh, long story short, uh, Ed and I, we uh, had known each other. I'd done Ed, some... We were talking about Ed, Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer. Yeah, so the Dr. Ed Stetzer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, so uh, we, we've known each other for, for about 10 years, uh, done some writing projects with him. Uh, long story short, we connected about November, December last year. He was saying that he's getting ready to create this new position uh, to really come alongside of him to help shoulder some leadership, uh, projects, writing, uh, you name it, here at the Billy Graham Center, and even some of the things that he does. And so uh, another element of that was uh, the Lausanne North America Coordinator. So the Lausanne movement is this global movement, but we also have 12 regional directors all over the world. And one of the regional directors is in North America, and Ed happens to be the regional director. (laughs) And so... um, And Lausanne, just just for those who don't know, because it's so easy for us to use these things that we're all, we take for granted. That was a major mission conference, right, that began in the the 70s in in Europe? Yes, uh, with John Stott and Billy Graham. So right. those those were basically the two architects behind that, and it really brought together evangelical missions in yeah. a major way. In a yeah, a, a, yeah, an astronomical way, and that was the heartbeat of it, is to convene these global leaders for greater gospel impact. Right, and so having the regional basically office here in North America, Ed needed also someone to come and and help more so that. help out with that. So beautiful, um, and so I've I basically am the utility player. Whatever Ed wants. Me to do. We live in this Ed. Uh, we, we call it the Ed Nato. So it's the Ed plus tornado. So the Ed Nato. And you just never know what you're going to get. Now, how um, close is that to a Sharknado? Oh, it's very, yeah, it's very, very close. I'm so. guessing you get nipped at least once in a while working oh, yeah. with Ed. He's nippy, yeah. you know, he's, he's nippy in a good way, in a good way, which has been a role change because as a senior, you know, sure. pastor for the last 12 years coming and now working, uh, you know, alongside, but really as as Ed's my boss, it's, yeah. it's been a, a learning curve for me. I remember one time he sat down and he was kind of doing my little, you know, 90-day evaluation. He's like, yeah, you need to grow in learning how to you know be led and i'm like okay yeah i duly noted i will uh you know but it it was it's, it's been a but it's been in a phenomenal uh transition awesome. um and you've been here how long about five months five months okay so just i mean just briefly to, to you moved from a position of pastoral ministry ministry full-time in the church you're now doing this this um this broader kingdom ministry mm-hmm. that helps convene people who are passionate about outreach around the world through uh, both the Billy Graham Center and and Lausanne Conference. Um, You also did some some, uh, some, um, learning and some school uh, along with that. So take me into that real quickly. What did you study? And you you got your PhD, right, from 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 Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina. So, um, yeah, I I studied uh, missiology. So, 
my specific focus, though, was how the church engages culture. Okay. So um, James Davison Hunter, uh, who is a professor at the University of Virginia, wrote a book to change the world back in 2010, and he unleashed this kind of concept of faithful presence. Yes. And I really, and I read that prior to entering into my PhD realm, and really loved it. And in and in my PhD, I really wanted to dive deeper into it because I feel like he spent 75 percent of his book telling everybody how wrong they were what which i guess do. when you have his credentials you can <laughs> you know and he only spent 25 percent of his time really trying to almost introduce a theology of faithful presence but never getting down to okay really what does this look like sure he would give some concepts here and there but i'm like i want more and so what so what i did in my my particularly in my dissertation is i created a, a matrix for faithful presence like i'm like all right so if somebody really, if a, if a church leader, a pastor wants to lead their church to be faithfully present in their community, what would that look like? Okay. And so that was the journey I went on in my dissertation and developed this matrix uh, that basically became this grid and blueprint for how I was going to lead the church. But then after creating that matrix, I'm like, okay, I, I need, because it was an applied theology um, degree, I wanted. I needed to go find a church that could could at least embody this, um, or at least from the outside look like they they would. And so I picked Tim Keller and Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Oh wow! Okay. So, so you actually did a case study with them yeah. based on the grid that you had developed to use them as an example of what faithful presence looks yes. like. Yes. Now, just real quickly for those of us who who might not be uh, familiar with it, just can you give me a, a the with the matchbook definition of what we're talking about when we talk about faithful presence? Yeah, so the way I I kind of described it and put it into um almost like missional language is that faithful presence is defined as a as a people, right? Or as God's people glorifying him in all spheres of life and that's faithful presence so if you so that that that's what leads for for many to look at the whole holistic aspect of the gospel and not just uh, you know the gospel being a spiritual thing where it you know the gospel just how to recon- get to heaven when you yeah, die yeah it just reconciles you to God like faithful presence is the totality of what it means to be a child of the King right so so you exist to glorify God in all spheres of life and so faithful presence is that you are living in a place and you are seeking to be faithful to God glorifying Him in all spheres of life and when that happens the church will be most present in the world. Cool. Are there are, has has there been pushback against that concept? I I, I feel like there have been um, some some uh, some in the evangelical world who uh, would would say this this tends to minimize the the proclamation function of the church. Is there is there a necessary um, opposition between seeing ourselves as people called to proclaim the gospel and people called to be a faithful presence yeah. are those necessarily opposed yeah. to each other well i mean they're they're not in my book uh, now it depends on what people do you know how they define mission right so i simply define mission as uh god his own mission so the missio de god his own mission to create a people for himself and we see that in genesis 1 2 uh adam and eve sure uh, they they fall they're kicked out 
Abraham, God's going to, he's going, and Abraham, he's this pagan, right? So, and through Abraham, this pagan, God's going to create a people. Uh, then Jesus, well, in uh, Israel, they botched the mission. They're kicked out of the promised land. Jesus is going to come. He's going to create a people, right? He's going to, he's going to redeem Israel, but he's going to birth the church, right? Yeah, right. And so, so this idea of people is, is a holistic concept, right? Because yeah. you had Adam and Eve, what were they to do in the garden? Be free fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So as G.K. Bill would say, is as they were faithful to God in all those spheres, they would expand the garden. Well, Israel, right? They have the, they're a people. Yep. They're in the promised land, and, and what are they given? They're given laws. They're given these civil ceremonial laws, how to live as people. It's holistic. And I think that if we, if, if we narrow our view of mission, then we really miss out on the holistic narrative of what the gospel actually so give doing. me an example of a narrowed view of mission that, that sometimes prevails as we live in this world, and that really isn't going to work yeah. anymore as I, we're in a post-Christian context. I would say predominantly that if you go to any church today, now again, this is this is the majority, the predominant view, though. If you go to any uh, just just ordinary everyday church member, hey, um, uh, where 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 is mission found in the Bible? <laughs> Guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to Matthew twenty eight. Yeah. You know, eighteen through twenty. Go make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching. They might not be able to, you know, <laughs> quote the verse, but yeah. they can you know, at least know where it the is. Great Commission. Yeah. And so what we've done kind of is take the Great Commission and we've used that to narrow our focus into making disciples, meaning now we, we just need to evangelize. Right. But that's not even the concept I would say, I would even argue of discipleship. Right. You know, so, but that's how I would say that the narrow view really um, ha- has become more in focus, is usually with that as forgetting that God has been on mission ever since creation. All right. Man, that's that's incredible. Now, how does that viewpoint... Um, help us right now in our in our in our current context. I mean, there's been a long for a long time. There's been a a real kind of um, uh, assumed language, assumed common ground. Uh, it probably wasn't always there as strongly as we thought it was. But yeah. the church in America has always had kind of an assumed common ground with the world around it that we are speaking the same language. Right. That we have the same set of expectations, and so it was enough to you know hang out the shingle and say, "Come to this place." Yeah. Um, how how is some of the things that you've been studying and and the work you've been doing? How does that help us? A first of all, understand what does it mean to be a post Christian culture, and then yeah. B, what are some of the some of the key issues that we have to consider right. when we talk about ministry in a post Christian right. culture? Well, if you think about it, Adam, if you think about and it's such a great question because if you think about where the church sits today. Uh, many many historians and scholars would say we are really coming out of a 1,700-year routine of Christendom. Now, could you imagine doing something for 1,700 years? <laughs> it's hard for me to do it I for mean, 31 you know, days, we, we, man. Are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think, yeah, you think about the, old, you know, the <laughs> adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. I mean, think about how old 1,700 years is for, for, for church. To, to think about church in its mindset where we are the predominant view where the predominant worldview or the predominant culture, right, in, in most Western society. And even those who disagree with us in the end are responding to us. Exactly. Right? I mean, they're at least speaking, acting in response to our narrative. Yeah. And now you take North America 
and you have now a growing sense of secular secularism post-Christian, um, and so now the church is being isolated, um, and we are now waking up to the fact, and you know, as Ed Stetzer has said and others, that we are no longer in Kansas. <laughs> so we we're, we're we're no longer in the 1950s. Uh, we we are finding ourselves, and the way I like to say it, you know, kind of barring the the you know the uh, um, uh, the wonderful Wizard of Oz language, is that we're living in the land of Oz. It's very much like Babylon, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's not our home, and I think and I think it, it's it's not um, a good um, I would say step for people to go. Well, we need to go back. You know, so we need to reclaim this this position that we had uh, because I believe we never really had it in the first place. Because the way I, I look at even the inception of America, it was created in pluralism to begin with. I just don't, in my opinion, I just don't know if the forefathers had enough foresight to see of what kind of melting pot it would really become. Given the fact that again, predominantly in Western society, it was Christendom. It was just they just want to create a pluralistic place for people to embody the Christian faith in various ways without right. having to be told you got to do this. You got to go to this so, church or pay your taxes to that. Yeah. yeah. So now we now we're finding ourselves in in this uh, foreign land and we're having the way I say it we have we're having to relearn what it means to be the church. Wow. Um, and that's a hard, that's a hard step. Could you imagine if you're waking up for from a coma and you're having to relearn what it means to be human? And so we're waking up from a 1,700-year coma, and we're having to relearn what it truly means to be the church. And I think there's a lot of pushback because uh, we're having to, we're having to, I would say, shake things that have been, uh, maybe they were beneficial, maybe they were effective in the past, but they're just really not beneficial or effective now. So what are some of the dead-end approaches that, that are out there right now when it comes to this tension of living in this world that's a post-Christian world and, and calling to influence, but not necessarily regain a platform that we had in the past. What are some of the dead-end approaches you see? Yeah, so I, I would say that the dead-end approaches are, so if you think about, like, you know, you take the church growth movement, right? Uh, where, hey, if if we market right, if we have these newer kind of models of ministry, um, whether it's music, whether it's preaching style, whether it's environments, man, we're going to reach people. And they did. And I think that what we're having to, the dead-end approaches is finding the next new model or the next effective method. B- because really, at the end of the day, methods are just tools. Uh, mission is the mandate. Yes. And so, but then that's where you got to go back to what the mission is. And that's where you have to understand that the mission is more of a narrative than it is an actual method so here's what just real quick so so, to make sure i'm following you are you saying that one of the dangers or dead-end approaches that we we would take is the danger of not doing a deep enough dive analysis that we might simply analyze analyze this as saying oh we just need the right method and then we can fix it you're saying am i if i'm right you're saying we need to go a little deeper than that and actually reclaim the mission of the church yeah i think the gospel needs to. i really think that the gospel needs to target the heart of the church again yes you know because i think what we're finding is again we're in this culture of 
of do, 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 do. Right. Uh, we're in this culture Pragmatic, of always yeah. new. Yep. What, what, what's better? What's yep. more effective? Oh. I mean, I always look at the Apple Watches, or, you know, the iPhones. Okay. Yeah. You know, the difference between a seven and an eight. Okay. And finally, they had just a, a little bit slightly, maybe bigger difference from the eight to the 10. There's no button. Whoa. <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no button. That's, it's life changing. Yeah, yeah. And we think, yes, I got to get one yeah. of those. And yeah, I yeah. think the church, we have to, st- I'm not against methods. I, and I'm not against structure. I'm not against strategy because if we had a whole nother podcast, I'll talk about that. Yeah. But but I, but I feel like we have lost the heart of what the gospel is and does. And and because we are more pragmatic, uh, those are the day. Because here's what our here's what I'm, I believe of our culture. Our culture is not really looking for another how to. They're looking for a why. You know. Whoa, that's big. Yeah, I mean, so why am I here? What does that mean? Right. You know, and so, and that's what, you know, the faithful presence, going back to the faithful presence. So what the faithful presence, uh, mo- well, I say model or paradigm. Method. method <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm or kidding. method. <laughs> yeah, what it does. But, but what it really gets at is this, is creating this holistic narrative of how the gospel relates to you spiritually and reconciling you to God. How the gospel reconciles you to one another. So how do you look at the person who is of a different ethnicity? How do you look at the person who is of a different socioeconomic status? How do you look at the person who is disabled? How do you look at, you know, like the gospel reconciles us socially to how we view other people. And then the gospel reconciles us culturally in what we do in the world and how we do it. That there really is this, this notion of a theology of vocation. Like when God created Adam and Eve, there was no, there, there, there was no people to pastor, quote unquote. Yeah. So what did he do? So what did God give him? He gave them the, the 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 vocation of subduing the ground, of cultivating. So cultivating the ground would lead to culture, which would lead to civilization. Yeah. And so if people realize that the gospel speaks to every realm of their life and who they are as a human being, then it opens up their eyes to another structure of, of how to view life. And it's this plausibility structure that they are really looking for because there's no other plausibility structure out there that makes sense of the totality of life. Yeah. Well, I mean, we live in these these radically in in in, in one of the most connected ages in the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. We're we're the most fractured, yep. right? I mean, not only I mean, are we isolated? We've re, we, we've 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 replaced actual flesh and blood with digital connection, but we're mm-hmm. also fractured because we've reached this point where we've been told that that we can't we can't be around people different than us or that believe differently than us or else we're going to suffer violence. And so we we've divided into these Oh, we're afraid that they're going to scream at us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we can't we can't even disagree and have a conversation. We have to have a disagree and a confrontation. Yeah, there's <laughs> you know, like, we, we've somehow lost as a culture. We've yeah. somehow lost literally lost the ability to say to someone, "Hey, yeah, I don't agree with you, but that's okay, man. You're yeah. a good person, and I, I really love getting to know you." And in what I you know, it's, it's funny. I've had a series of different conversations over the last few days, and one of the things that just keeps coming through again and again and again is that the Church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Yeah. You know, we are, and uh, I mean, ultimately, the gospel yeah. is is the hope of the world. But it's when the gospel comes alive in the church yeah. that the church becomes the kind of community that says to the world that that thing you're looking for, it's here. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so if we are the body of Christ, 
right? So I tell people there, there's this debate out there too, right? That are you an incarnational church, a missional church, or are you a tractional church? I, the, way, the way I described it when I was pastoring, we're all the above. Amen. Because we are attractional in that Jesus, he was attractional. There were crowds that were drawn to Jesus. Yep. Uh, incarnational. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and he dwelt. He he pitched his tent, you yep. know, as Eugene Peterson would yep. say. Yep. Yep. And then missional, that there is this purpose to what we're trying to do, that we are inviting people into the kingdom that has broken in through Jesus Christ. And so if we are not all of the above, then I feel like we are missing out on the, the, the whole holistic aspect of, of the gospel. Well, and you, what you just did for for our listeners who might not be in uh, the ministry world and familiar with all the different kind of streams that flow. I mean, you just you just did something which I completely agree with. You just took something that many times people plant their flags on a particular oh, hill yeah. and they say they're going to die on this hill. And if you don't agree with me, then you're anti-gospel. Right? You just <laughs> you just you just said no. We can we can actually work on this together. And doesn't that isn't that one of the biggest th- I, I think threats? especially for the evangelical world. We're already marginalized massively in our culture. And, and when we seek to marginalize each other on the basis of particular yeah. approaches that should instead be seen in harmony, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. The greatest hindrance, I think, if I had to say today, right, so so may, maybe a month from now I'm, I might say something different. But if I had to say today of, of just being an observe, observer for, I mean, years, the last few years, really, uh, the greatest hindrance to gospel effectiveness or missional uh, presence for evangelicalism is our inability to be unified around mm. the gospel. Whoa, that's a statement right there. It, it is because we are fra- we're we're so fractured. We're we're fractured politically. We are fractured theologically over secondary, tertiary issues. Which hold your secondary, you, you know, uh, theology, you know, theology issues. Hold. I'm not telling you to change them, but we're we are making secondary and tertiary theological issues primary. And when that happens, I mean that that's what that's what the apostle Paul was fighting for. Yeah. He was fighting for unity to not have the church fracture over secondary and tertiary issues. But yet, that's what we find our ourselves. Uh, um, fighting um, one another on. It's almost a neo, and I, I'm, I hope I don't know if anybody using this phrase, but it's almost a, a neo fundamentalism. I mean, in, in the worst sense of the word, just in the sense of of uh, you, you got to divide. You yeah. know, the, the call to divide and um, uh, and remove yourself in this kind of second degree separationism that leads us to this place where we can't be associated with so and so if they if they right. are associated with so and so. One of the greatest um, uh, trends that we are seeing over the last few years in terms of where the church is growing is in non denominational churches. Hmm. Now, I wonder why that is. I, I mean, I, I have some of my thoughts of why that is, but I think many times you find in non-denominational realms, they are more, I don't want to say, you know, I'm using the, the word ecumenical, you know, very, very loosely, yeah. but but they're almost ecumenical in the You're sense that... You're not saying that, World Council yeah, of Churches. I mean, yeah, I mean, but they're, but, but, but they're, they're, they're not taking hard stances sometimes on secondary or, you know, definitely tertiary issues because they, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a church here in Wheaton that, that's non-denominational and um, I'm just very fascinated by 
the various backgrounds that you will find on staff. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the picture of the body of Christ. Like, Amen. you can have a Reformed, you can have an Arminian, you can have someone who has more of a Presbyterian background, who has more of a, a, a Baptist background. I mean, you know, it's just because we are one body. But I think that is the greatest hindrance in the 21st that's century. That's wonderful. So. Well, I want, you to, I want to give you a chance to, okay. to this is our, our final question. I've enjoyed okay. this conversation. I feel yeah. like we're just getting started. Uh, yeah. We could go a lot longer. We'll have to have you on again. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to just uh, you to tie a bow on it all. What you are you are privileged and blessed in your position mm-hmm. to kind of sit and have a perspective. A lot of us don't, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 work with churches around the world, uh, with networks around the world. Mm-hmm. So you get to look around. You get to see what God's doing in the church mm-hmm. from that vantage point. What are the what's what's a sign of hope? Hmm. that you see for the church as we are here in this world in a, a position of exile. Yeah. The word that comes to my mind is remnant. There's always a remnant. And and God seems to work through that remnant to do supernatural things, right? And so one of the one of the things that I've seen in just five months of working at the Billy Graham Center is that they're really um, there really is this spirit of, of unity, and there's this spirit of optimism that, you know what, it, it's a dark, it's a broken, it's a dying world, but we do have the gospel. We have the hope of the world. And if we can come together uh, around the gospel, around Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he is our king, that he is creating a people of which we are a part of, then, then we can we can do God sized things, and I actually have seen that. Um, and I get to work with leaders in rural uh, areas, uh, e- uh, leaders of evangelism from uh, organizations like Compassion and Stonecroft and Alpha and Organic Outreach and other denominations. And so, and it really is really uh, incredible to see that spirit of unity around the gospel. And so, that gives me great hope. Amen. Amen. Dr. Joshua Laxton, thank you so much for being with us, Josh. All right. Thanks, Adam. A lot of fun. Check out the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Learn a little bit more. Use their resources uh, in your context. All right. God bless, brother. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed uh, giving that conversation a listen. Um, Hopefully, you found it challenging, uh, enlightening, and hopefully inspiring as you think about what does it really mean to be the church. There's a lot of reasons that people look around and and kind of feel skeptical or feel even downhearted about the, the place of the church in our current situation. But as you've heard, and as as we deeply believe, we have every reason to hope. We are a people of hope, because we serve a God who's put us in this place at this time for a reason, and it's to pursue His mission. I want to also encourage you, help us get the word out by joining the Organic Outreach Media Squad. All you have to do is send an email to info at organicoutreach.org and let us know that you want to join the team. If you do, we'll send you one of our newly minted Organic Outreach Media Squad mugs. Just imagine how jealous your friends are going to be when they see you sipping your favorite beverage in one of these babies. I think you want to do it. Well, for now, (laughs) this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.